Welcome to The Thought Hackers, the show where you will learn how your mind works and discover how to change your thinking from leading experts and through inspiring stories. Good day, everyone. My name is Nathan Siegel. I'm here with my colleague Hamish Baston out of Australia, and we are The Thought Hackers. With us today is Giovanni Dinsman. He's a meditation teacher, the writer behind the popular blog liveanddare.com, and the creator of the acclaimed Master Your Mind program. He has been intensely seeking personal growth and enlightenment since his teenage years. In this process, he has practiced meditation daily, totaling over 8,000 hours, read hundreds of books, tried several different techniques, and spent time on retreats with masters and instructors all around the world. All this practice, learning, and training has radically transformed his mind and experience of the world, and as a result, he now lives a fearless, peaceful, and fulfilling life. Giovanni, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you very much, uh, Nathan and Hamish. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, so can you tell us uh, a bit about your journey? How did, how did you get started on what it is that you do now? Okay. So as a child and as a teenager, I was very restless. I, was, I would say that I had ADHD, even though I was not diagnosed with that at that time, and probably also a lot of anxiety and just generalized restlessness. And one day I heard about a meditation workshop being held in my city, and a friend of mine is going, and I decided to join. That night through a short 10-minute guided meditation, I experienced something very special in my life. For the first time ever, I was at peace. I was present and happy in the moment. Nothing to run away from, nothing to run after, just happy to be in my own skin. And that was a very special feeling. So that night I decided I would practice meditation every day for as long as I live. And that was the beginning of my meditation journey. From that point onward, I started to explore meditation more deeply. I read lots of books about it. I met um, meditation masters from different traditions, uh, the Zen Roshis, the Yogis, um, and just Western masters as well. And that has formed my my background into this journey of meditation, personal growth, and also on the spiritual side of it as well. So is there any one particular meditation practice that you use, or is it a combination? Sure. So my practice has changed over time. In the beginning, I didn't know much what I was doing. So I was just, for the first two years, I was just sitting, moveless, and trying to quiet my mind. Um, then when I learned meditation a bit more properly with a better structure, then I was doing Zazen, which is the meditation mm -hmm. practice of Zen Buddhism. And with that, I was focusing on the breathing, initially counting the breaths and then just focusing on the sensations of breathing. And then after some years, the, the meditation practice changed a few more times as I was going about my journey. But nowadays, there are two practices that I do. One of them is a gazing practice, 
So it's an open eye meditation where you gaze in a point in the wall and uh, you focus all your attention there. Uh, many people do that with candle, candle gazing. And it's called Tratak. And the other meditation that I do is with closed eyes. I focus on the space between the eyebrows and I also uh, focus the eyeballs kind of slightly going up and center in that place. And this facilitates the brain to enter into the alpha waves. So you're referring to the third eye, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thought so. Yes. Familiar with that. It's uh, something I've experienced a few times as well. So mm. when you're doing these two different types of meditation, what is what is the goal when you do it? Well, uh, the goal for me has changed also as my journey has evolved. At this moment, for me, the goal is really to achieve a deeper level of mastery over the mind, to be able to enter into a state of mind which is deeper than the state of mind we live in in our day-to-day lives, which is the state mm-hmm. of thinking and uh, just processing information, processing what comes through the five senses, memory, imagination. You know, this is the, the regular level of mind that we live in. And there's a deeper level of mind, which is beyond thought. Yes. Right? And which is very quiet. Mm-hmm. And it's pleasant to be in that state and it's fulfilling. And from that from that state comes great silence, peace, enjoyment, and also insight and wisdom. So my goal with meditation now is to really to get to know myself better, to master my mind, and to be able to arrive at that state more consistently, more easily, and for longer periods of time. Yes. Now, one of the things that you were talking about in meditation that... um that it could be helpful in recovering from trauma. And you were saying that you used to be bullied in, in junior high school. And mm. at that time, you you started taking martial arts training. Yes. What, yes. what kind of martial arts, if you don't mind me asking? So bullying is something that I have um, strong feelings because I have been target of bullying in my own um, early teenage years. But the way I dealt with bullying, I'm not sure that is what I would recommend to everyone. It worked for me. Um, but yeah, the, basically, I went to a Kung Fu class. And Great. I started to learn how to be more confident in my body and how to use my body. And even though I didn't tell anyone I was going to Kung Fu class, after that time, no one else ever bothered me. That's so interesting. something. Yes, something must have changed. No one knew and you didn't have to use the physical skills to defend yourself. Correct. How how long did you do it before things started to change that way? Uh, Maybe six months. As as short as six months, things started to change. Um, Something must have changed in my posture, in my way of walking, in my way of looking around, that... People just felt like I'm not such an easy target anymore. So in terms of the bullying, did did it ever get physical where you ever had to fight back? Yes, it did. And that was before Mm. I went into Kung Fu because after that, it never happened again. But before I went into Kung Fu, uh, it happened three times in my school years. Um, Maybe I was maybe 12 or 13, 
maybe mm-hmm. 14. And um, yeah, so these were older boys because they had repeated some years. So they were older and therefore stronger. And they were in the habits of bullying everyone, right? And I let it pass. I let it pass. I let it pass a few times. But then it, it arrived at a certain point that I felt like, okay, I'm not going to live like this. And then when they did that, then I attacked back, right? Mm. And then a fight ensued, and maybe it lasted two to three minutes, and I was beaten up, okay? But it, I also gave them a hard time. Mm. And each of the three times this happened, that particular person never bothered me again. Good. Mm. Good. So I, I think I dealt well with that situation, and if I would go back in time, I would have done the same thing. Um, I am a nonviolent person, and of course, as a meditation teacher, I am a promoter of nonviolence. But at the same time, you need to be realistic. And sometimes, by taking by taking this advice of nonviolence too far, you are actually allowing other people to violate yourself. Agreed. And when that happens, um, trauma may happen, and resentment will happen, and anger will happen. And you become a violent person at the end. So it's not really helpful. Mm. No, it's not. I I agree with you. Hamish, you've Mm. got a question or two. When you started this discussion, you were sort of saying as a child you were very restless. You you probably would have been diagnosed with ADHD if you had gone down that path and the anxiety. And clearly, there's the way you're speaking, there's there's none of that sort of evident in in your life. I mean, you know me, Nathan, with these conversations. I'm I'm sitting here just finding myself in a very peaceful space just listening to you talk. I, I really enjoy it. You said, mm-hmm. you said, Giovanni, that you just heard about a workshop, a meditation workshop. What what age were you when that happened? When you went to I was that? 14. 14. What nice. Wonderful. What, make, what made you... I mean, mo- a lot of 14-year-olds, teenagers would... Look at a meditation class and think, oh, well, that's, that's you know that's not me on, or whatever it is. What <laughs> made you decide to go to that meditation class as a fourteen-year-old? Mm. Well, I was starting to read a few books on personal growth or self-help, whatever you want mm-hmm. to call it, and that was awakening something in me of wanting to explore my my potential wanting to to become a better person and to to know more about what our brain can do yes and i think it's because of that predisposition hamish that when i heard about that meditation podcast i'm sorry that meditation workshop, um, workshop i decided to go because yeah. i was i was open to learning tools that would make me uh, stronger and that would make me wiser and would help me grow as a person. Mm. Mm. And when, when you, where you are now in your life, when you look at that, that restlessness, the ADHD characteristics and the anxiety, where is mm-hmm. that all in your life now? Is there, how do you relate <laughs> to that? Say, what you saw as a 14-year-old, how, how has that changed within you, those, those types of uh, symptoms and what was going on? Yeah. Well, a lot of that, I think it's just my natural temperament or predisposition, if you like. I am a very energetic person. And that's why after starting 
Kung Fu. I, I practiced Kung Fu for more than 10 years and I used to practice many hours a week. I had a lot of energy to spend. And even now I have a lot of energy. But I think that with meditation and with all this personal growth literature that I have read and absorbed into my life, I learned how to recognize all that energy and to direct that mm. in a way that it's more productive. Yeah. Yep. So when you say direct it, what do you mean? How do you do it? Hmm. It's not easy to articulate, but if before my energy was kind of all over the place, uh, playing mm -hmm. by itself without me being able to control it, uh, now all that energy is being absorbed into my goals in life. Wow. Uh, and in diff different areas of my life, I had different goals, and uh, all that energy was then sucked into those goals. And that was mm -hmm. really helpful. I'm sure, yeah. Wow. That's... Um... That's a really good way of looking. Just you saying that the the picture of it just channeling into there and changing is quite quite something. Um, yeah, I, I'd like to hear a bit about specifically, and you've mentioned um, with meditation specifically in with mm -hmm. working with people with trauma and PTSD. And you've, you've got written here that um, meditation is being helpful for dealing with PTSD, and which ones are actually dangerous. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes, yes, it's a, it's a really good question, and and to be quite honest, it's a question that there's not much scientific um, yep. clarity about, right? So, meditation started being studied scientifically in the 60s or 70s, right? And even then, it was always the same types of meditation, and it's very exploratory studies, not so much. Uh, in depth, like comparing different types of meditation for uh, helping with one particular um, psychological uh, issue. So there is not much scientific clarity about this. Mm -hmm. What I can share is from my own experience with these types of meditation and the effects that they cause on us. And also with one lady that had PTSD and she runs a PTSD blog and she contacted me asking me to guide her through different types of meditation because she wanted to do a comparative study and she did that. So I've learned from that as well. So what I can say is that for PTSD, you have this, you have this internal world that is, that is like hell, that is a nightmare, right? And often meditation makes you go even more introvert. Okay. So the first problem is that if you're going more and more introvert in a world that is like hell, if you don't have the right guidance, uh, the right tool, the right understanding about what's happening, you feel like you're getting worse because you are experiencing those memories and those symptoms even more. Sure. Okay. So the way I see that meditation helps, if I use this metaphor that let's say that all your trauma with all the negative feelings that is connected with it is like a bucket of salt. And if I throw that bucket of salt in a small pond, that pond will become salty. But if I throw that bucket of salt in the ocean, the ocean will not become more salty. Mm. Okay. So what meditation does is to allow us to step back from our own thoughts and feelings, to widen our awareness so that it's more like the ocean and less like a pond. Right. And so in this process, what happens is in 
in any type of meditation, you cut out all the distractions, all the external distractions, and you're just sitting with yourself. Either you're trying to focus, in, focus on, on a mantra or your breath or any type of technique, you are there, only you and yourself, okay? So all of this internal content, all this psychological material is going to come up. Now, the most important thing for you to make meditation work is that you have the attitude of witness, meaning you are observing these thoughts. You're observing these memories, these feelings, and how they impact you, the way you feel, how they impact you in your body, in your nervous system. You take a step back and you observe all of that. Now, that is a really simple way of explaining it, but it's by no means easy mm. because we are used to identifying ourselves with our thoughts, right? We, we tell a story about who we are and what life is and what life means based on all our previous thoughts, our memories, mm. and how we are feeling right now. But what if we can take a step back and just recognize that all these thoughts, memories, and feelings, they are arising by themselves, inside of us, they stay for a while and then they pass. Even if there's a thought you dislike very much and you try to hold on to it for as long as possible, it will pass. They all have an expiry date, right? So they are, a metaphor that I like is like they are images projected on the cinema screen. So basically observing the thoughts as separate from you. Yes. Yes. And that is, a, that is a quality of awareness or meta-awareness as some call it because you are becoming aware of what's going on inside of you mm-hmm. rather than just running with it. And that takes practice. That takes repeated practice because we are not taught this at school and most of us are not taught this by our parents. So this ability to, to step back from our thoughts and to just let them pass and be what they are, that is something new mm-hmm. and that requires repeated practice through meditation. Mm. And also in your day-to-day life, as you're walking to work, and you see that suddenly you're not walking to work, but you're reliving that traumatic experience, then the moment you realize that, you can step back and you can say, these memories are arising in me. Anger is arising in me, rather than I am angry. Anger is arising in me. You see the distance when when you show it like that? It's a very good way to reframe it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, the the other thing too is um, with some of the things that we've talked about, things that I've learned from Hamish as well is NLP offers you shortcuts where you can um, cre- trigger something called an anchor and change your state very, very quickly once you learn mm-hmm. how. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's part of the reason that we do this show is that I learned such a technique from Hamish which made a, a massive change as far as PTSD goes. So, yeah. mind you, it can use be used in so many different ways. And I actually yeah. use a, an anchor that I created a number of years ago to take me into meditation very quickly. So, mm-hmm. If you could share, what is that anchor? Uh, it's a position that I, I do with my hands. Like er, earlier we were talking about, uh, I was talking about modeling Eckhart Tolle and I wound up getting this result. And Mm -hmm. at that time, because it was so powerful and so strong, I thought, I want to create an anchor of this so that 
I can answer it back to this place very quickly. So what I did is I just adopted a particular kind of hand position, which mm-hmm. I wouldn't normally do. And so every time I wound up in that meditation state, I would just keep doing that to build this anchor, as they call it, stronger. So mm-hmm. if I want to enter meditation really quickly, all I do is adopt that hand position. And as soon as mm-hmm. I do, like if I'm just sitting in my chair the way I am right now, I would find I would straighten up, I would take a very deep breath, and then let it out. And there, there would be a whole bunch of physiological changes, neurological changes that take place in seconds. Mm-hmm. And boom, I'm in that quiet yeah. state, that silent state that we spoke about earlier. Yeah. But that's how I do it, and it's is. I knew about it before from Ham- uh, before I knew Hamish, but through Hamish, I became better at it. Yeah. And so it's just an extremely useful tool. And this is what you're saying, Giovanni. Sure. It's even with the meditation, it's it's becoming aware of what these these processes, these resources can do, but then de- mm-hmm. r- developing the skills, being guided through it, being mentored and taught how to use them to the, to their best, that they really do serve you well. It's um yes. and and I really like what you're saying about the you know so many people in with with the mental health problems the the depression anxiety in particular and you know they do hit that point where I'm just so angry and it's and to really to really be aware awareness is a huge thing of rather than I and I want you just to sort of keep going on from that a bit if you can from I am angry yeah. to I, you know, the anger is arising and sort of really recognizing and being aware of that stuff, what you were saying with that. Yeah. It's very important. Sure. So for me, at least, it all starts with the language, with the way you talk to yourself. I think language is very powerful and it not only describes the experience, but it defines the experience. So when you're feeling angry, if you say anger is here, you're already defining a space in that experience between you and your anger, right? So just getting this habit of of even relating to your own thoughts and feelings like, okay, the memories are back, or okay, um, uh, regret is here. Another thing that can be helpful is also to kind of personify these things. So the angry one is back. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's as if it's another voice inside your head together with many voices but you are not any of those voices. You are sitting in the audience. You are watching everything, but you are none of those images projected on the screen. Mm. And you can cry with them. You can be angry at them. You can laugh with them. But at the end of the day, you are not them. And that is something that I can say now. And people can accept that intellectually or conceptually. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. But it's only through repetitive practice of this awareness exercise that is meditation and also the self-talk but repetitive practice that that becomes a lived experience rather than just a concept well what a journey that oh that that what you've just been talking about there we oh, and this is just going to help people <laughs> so much just to to, cha- to get into that space to change that thinking and yeah so so you started by asking me what type of meditation is helpful what type of meditation is not helpful for yes. people with uh, ptsd so I would say that more than one type is helpful, one type is not helpful, is that some attitudes with meditation are helpful and some are not, okay? So if you go with meditation, uh, you go practice your meditation technique, whatever it is, and you have the attitude that, okay, I am 
learning to become like a witness. I'm focusing on my breath. Let's say that that's the practice you get. I'm focusing on my breath and then I get distracted and I notice that I'm 15 thoughts away from my breath back into something that happened 20 years ago. The moment you notice that, you realize that that's something that is happening in you. Therefore, there's a separation between you and that. And you have a choice. You have a power to bring your attention back to the breathing. And then you do that. So you see, when you're working with this attitude that you are the witness and you are in control of your attention, and you're not in control of what arises, but you're in control of your attention, what you pay attention to, then uh, any, any meditation technique can be helpful. Now, if you are with another attitude that you are going to meditation because you want to shut down those thoughts, to erase those memories, that's not going to work. And no meditation technique is going to be helpful because you're creating war with yourself. You're creating more tension on top of the existing tension and you're attempting something that is impossible. So I would say for people that are interested in exploring meditation as part of their healing journey, um, through PTSD, that uh, remember this attitude of being the witness and the separation between you and your thoughts. The training is that seeing the separation needs to become more and more natural, more and more easy, more and more second nature for you. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, you're able to witness even very tough emotions and feelings and memories being less affected by them, more relaxed. That makes sense, yeah. Meditation is one of the things that can help you in your PTSD journey or in your journey to becoming uh, a human being with greater wellness, but it's not the only tool. And I also believe in the power of breathing and the power of yoga and also in the power of learning how to use your eyes. And I will explain that. So these things, in the many traditions that teach meditation, the yoga tradition is one of the oldest. Nowadays, people hear yoga, they think it's um, just the postural yoga, going mm. to those postures. But actually, yoga is a, is a spiritual tradition of which the postures is a small part, right? So in the spiritual tradition of yoga, they say, look, you can work with your mind. You can go in meditation and try to work directly on the level of the mind. Or you can work on the level of the body and the mind and the sight, and these three things, they affect your mind, just like your mind affects these things. So there's this TED talk. Um, I forgot the author now, but she says that in her research, when people sit or stand up straight in a position of power, they feel more empowered. They change the way that they feel inside, right? Yep. Um, the same thing with the breathing. Every breathing pattern is related to a different type of emotion. So I would invite the listeners of the Thought Hackers to run a little bit of an experiment this week and observe your breath from time to time. And when you feel restless or you feel angry or you feel happy or excited, observe the breathing, pat breathing pattern. Observe the breathing pattern and try to memorize how it is. And then another time in your day, just go and cre recreate that breathing pattern inside yourself. And you see that very quickly that emotion starts coming back again. It's like a two-way avenue, mm. right? So by learning, by breathing deeply in a, in a rhythm that is deep, 
long and even, you will create a state of mind that is calm and empowered and present. You cannot be angry and sad if you breathe that way, right? If, if, you're, if you're sad or angry, your breathing will change. And, but if you're sad or angry and you force yourself to, to follow that breathing pattern of a calm person, after four to five minutes, you will see how much your emotional change, your emotional state has changed. Mm. So that is Are the you? power of working not only with the mind, but also with the body and with the breathing. Now you also, also mentioned the sight, so I'm really curious about that. I've never heard that before. Yes. So that is something that, again, in the tradition of yoga, they, they recognize the relationship between the eyes and the brain. And recently, there's a new um, therapy modality called EMDR, mm-hmm. in which they explore the same, the same relationship. Uh, they realize that when you have, when you're thinking or relieving your trauma, the position of your eyes is very different from when you're just kind of walking about your day. So it's almost as if certain positions of the eyes, certain movements of the eyes, are related to those brain patterns that bring up those emotions and memories and thoughts. So in EMDR, from my understanding, they ask you, the therapist will observe what are those corners of your eye or those um, directions that bring those feelings and that you're trying to avoid those directions. And he's going to ask you to keep looking in that direction and kind of breathing through it. And that will allow you to override that experience, that that uh, basement of your brain that you don't want to go. He'll ask you to go there and to and to stay and to just breathe, right? So, in terms of meditation, for instance, the meditation technique that I do, which is Tratak, that's T R A T A K A, that is a practice where you're focusing your eyes on an object, you're gazing at an object. Right? And normally our eyes are moving all over the place and our mind is also moving all over the place. But if you fix uh, your eyeballs on a single object, gazing for a few minutes, you will see how that calms the brain. Yes. So you can also, so in conclusion, you can also use, you can change your brain state by uh, relaxing and resting and fixing your eyes in a, in a position. And Hamish, you were asking something earlier. I forget what it was. I, do you you wanted to go back to that, right? I'll, I'll just have to think for a sec. I'm I'm just using these little techniques that Giovanni's mentioning, and I'm I'm becoming very relaxed. Oh, good. Well, you know something, Hamish. What's really been fun with you, with every single time we wind up in interviewing somebody who's into meditation, you uh, go in, into these quiet spaces. <laughs> I think <so. laughs> But I love, I love these little techniques and when people discuss them and just, and, and however quick they are and what you're saying, Giovanni, is, you know, just doing these little things will help you do this. And I'm thinking, well, I'm going to try that. I'm going to do exactly what he's saying to see if it actually works. And it, and it does very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe I could, I could run through a very simple technique that, uh, the thought hackers listeners can, can follow. Oh, please do. Should sure. I do that? Please do. All right, so this is a, is a breathing technique where you're going to breathe alternating through your nostrils, right? So 
um, what the yogi says and what, what science has more, more recently discovered is that your left nostril is connected to a higher activity in the right side of the brain and your right nostril is, con is connected to a higher activity in the left side of the brain, like an X, right? So normally we are breathing, we're never paying attention to our nostrils, but our breathing alternates every two or three hours or so. Sometimes you're breathing more through the left, sometimes you're breathing more through the right, and very rarely we're breathing to both equally, right? So in this exercise, we will make the breathing go from one nostril to another by using our fingers, and that helps both hemispheres of the brain to communicate more deeply and to be more in sync, right? That's what the, what the research is showing. So we would use the thumb to close your right nostril, and then you breathe in through the left. Then you use your index finger to close the left and open the right and breathe out through the right. Then breathe in through the right. Close, open the left, breathe out through the left. So that's one round of the breathing. And you would breathe as deep and as long and as even as you can. Breathing in and out through different nostrils. Using the index finger and the thumb of your, of your right hand. And if you do, let's say, 10 to 15 cycles like this, that will take you about four minutes. And watch the, the difference it makes in your state of mind and emotions just by doing this quick exercise. Mm. Nice. Can I ask the re why you use your thumb on the right nostril and your index finger on the left nostril? Well, it's... Um, how else would you would you use it? I'm thinking. Um, oh, you. Oh, like, so, so I, I'm using I, I'm using different hands. So, yeah, ah, okay. I was thinking that too. Actually, exactly the same thing. I was thinking I blocked you know blocking the right nostril with my right thumb, and I'm thinking okay, I'll block the left left nostril with my left thumb, but then I use my left index finger because you said to use the index finger. But I see what you're saying. <laughs> with the same hand, you need to use those two fingers. Yes. The I guess the advantage is that you're using a, a single hand so your other arm can relax. Yes, yes. It's basically yep. it. Yeah, and that, to, to help people, um, you know, in that, in that fear, that panic, that anger, whatever, mm -hmm. those emotions that are so, whatever, it, that can just collapse that so quickly in that, you know, Yes. 10 seconds. Yes. Yes, exactly. And if you have a, if you have a partner, you can even tell your partner, look, whenever I am, in a, a kind of an intense or a disturbed mental state, just remind me to do this breathing. Yes. Yeah, because we can the often forget it's hard these for the things. To remember. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, um, how important, the question I was going to ask you just a little before, and, and I'll, I'll, probably not a bad time to lead into this. You said before you've done sort of that 8,000 8, hours of, of your own meditation now, and you use it every day. How how important is that? Because we often hear about people, you know, meditate every day and to do it every day, the importance of it and when to do it. Mm. These are really good questions. Um, you don't need to meditate for an hour or two hours, you know, if you, if you just want the, the, the mental health benefits and the psychological benefits, but you do need to meditate every day. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, um, 
there is little benefit you're going to get from the practice if you just do it once or twice a week. No. Our mind, our, our habits of mind, they are going on every day. It's nonstop. Mm. Right? So if you want to gain some power over that, if you want to revert some uh, mental habits that are not so helpful for you, you need your practice to happen every day as well, even if just for 10 minutes. Yeah. Right, so that's the importance of a of a daily practice, and then with that comes the problem that most people are not disciplined or they're not motivated enough, or, and, commit, or uh, committed. Yes, yes. So that is a challenge, and from running my blog uh, for several years, that's one of the the biggest challenges that uh, beginners with meditation have. Right. There are several things you can do to to help with that and, and I have a whole course about how to actually start meditation and, and get the habit going. But what I can say is that the easiest thing is to attach a new habit that you want to create, the meditation habit, to an existing habit. So if there's something you do every day, like um, having breakfast, then you can say, well, I won't have breakfast until I meditate. So you're attaching your meditation, your new habit, to an existing habit. Mm. Or let's say you come back from work at night, and first thing you do when you arrive home is take a shower. Then you can say, always after taking shower, I will meditate. Right? So you have that trigger in your brain reminding you to do that action mm. because you are attaching to something that you are already doing every day. So that's one of the principles that make things much easier. And then I'll say to people, start small. Don't be ambitious. You can even start with three minutes, with five minutes. Start with something that you will have no excuse to skip ever. So if that's three minutes, then you have a minimum of three minutes and you will not go to sleep any day before you meditate for three minutes. So if you think like this, then creating that daily habit becomes so much easier. Yep. Mm. And your other question was about when to do it. Mm. I usually recommend before a meal, so in, in, and ideally in the morning. But the real the real answer is whenever fits your schedule, whenever it's easy for you to do every day, sure. that's fine. But if you practice meditation before eating, so when your stomach is not full, then you'll be more comfortable. You'll be able to to focus better. Mm-hmm. Ideally, you want to be in a state where you are well awake, well rested, and not digesting. Right, so for most people, that's um, when they wake up after they they they're really awake and before going to work. That's usually what works for most people. Yes. Yep. And you can do it several times a day too, if you choose. Yes, you can have one main practice where you do at home in your meditation corner or whatever, and then any time during the day you can maybe you are on the bus or waiting for your food or something you can do a breathing exercise or you can even if you are able to close your eyes and have some minutes of privacy you can do sitting on your office chair or whatever works for you i have learned so much more about meditation (laughs) (laughs) i mean i I haven't i know i've been talking to my partner about i'm needing to do it daily uh, because it is such an important thing and i i've been in that that trap myself of oh, I'll do it today and I'll forget it tomorrow, forget it the next day, and I'll do something, but not even doing it properly. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's um, but I can I can feel the benefit just talking to you about what it is and how to do things. It's um, mm. 
My God, Hamish, we're starting to convert you. <laughs> I've always known that meditation is... Um, <laughs> For most people, it's very easy to convert them to meditation. You just need to give them a taste. Yes. You don't need to convince anyone. Yeah. Just give them a taste. <laughs> well, you just, well, need, you just, you know, need, to talk to, just need to talk to Giovanni and listen to his voice. And, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that helps a lot. It, but it also, it also helps the fact that we've had several meditation teachers come onto our show and like initially when we started doing the show i was going to do my best to keep anything spiritual out of it only to discover that i couldn't uh, <laughs> do that and that it was actually going to have a very important uh, place in what we do and that it and ongoing and mm -hmm. here we are again and now listening to you hamish with what you have to say and i, I find myself laughing inside because it's like hey i knew this was going to happen sooner or later I, I could just feel it giovanni you know the work i do i do a lot of stuff every day and i find myself some days i'm just like i've got to the end of the day and i haven't achieved everything but i've worked so hard i've done so much and i've rushed mm -hmm. rush rush but mm -hmm. you know just to have this just just that slowing down at the beginning yeah. of the day for me is going to be very important very you know, will help me get clarity and just be able to structure and do things that i i, I need to be doing not that i want to be doing um yeah i, I don't know and, I, and I the, can feel that happening for me and the other really nice thing about it because of what you know is as an nlp coach mm. with all that skill that you've got you can use your skill to create an anchor for yourself so when you do want to access Absolutely. those states of meditation you can adopt that pose which is what i was talking about earlier yes. and access it very very quickly and that will be extremely useful for you and for you know those who are listening i mean it's really not that difficult and i'm not going to adopt that hand position because you're i'm going to fall out of the conversation but, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is it's extremely useful and it's it's really great that we're having this conversation. Giovanni, I've been very happy having you on the show. It's been really been very restful uh for me too. Just listening to you, it's like wow. Mm. This is really nice. You've you've explained some things about meditation. Even though I've been around it for a long time, some of these things I've never heard and it's like wow, thank you for sharing. Mm, no, it's my pleasure to be here and to and to talk to your audience and Hopefully, some people will come out with a with a different insight or a different tool that they can start applying today to to live better and happier. Yeah, I'm sure they can. And again, that comes down to discipline and the the other word, which is commitment. Yes. Um, yes. So, um, so for people who want to get in touch with you, where would they go? So the best way is to go to liveandthere.com. That's my blog. Mm -hmm. And they can contact me via email. And that's that's probably the best way. And they will find a lot of resources there that will help them to learn more about meditation, um, how they can get started, and how to choose a technique that works for them. Mm. Yes. And as you've mentioned, there are many different techniques. Uh, yes. Ah, great. Well, thank you very much for being on the show with us today. Sure. And uh, there is there is an offer I would like to make to your audience. Sure. Uh, mm -hmm. If they want to, if they need help getting started with meditation, I have created a course called Master Your Mind, which has helped hundreds, if not thousands, of beginners to 
start that daily meditation habit. And there's a special discount for Thought Hackers listeners. Okay. So if you go to liveanddare.com slash thoughthackers, then they can um, enjoy that discount for, for joining the course. Okay, so that's Wonderful. That's, that's a link that you, that's a, the code that they use slash for, uh, forward slash or? It's forward a forward slash. slash. Yes. Forward slash. If they for, type. I'll put, I'll put the link yes. on, our, on the podcast show notes. Yes. So it's live, liveanddare.com forward slash thought hackers. Yes. Perfect. All together, all lowercase. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll put that link on. Thank you very much for that. Sure. Yeah. So, is, is there any other um, question you have about meditation? I think I feel like we could go on with this conversation for oh, a very long could. time. <laughs> we, we, we could. But we, well, We'd I mean, the have, only other thing. have you back. Yeah, yes, that, well, that was that was that was a given, uh, and and I was and well, I was going to say the same thing, I, but Hamish just beat me to it. The the most obvious thing is not only to have you back, definitely, but to also have you um, prepare uh, maybe two or three different types of exercises that we could run through with our guests, uh, mm-hmm. or sorry, with our with our audience, if that mm-hmm. works for you. Sure, sure, mm. cool. That was fun. Yeah, because having the having those tools, just very quick little things, a, a minute or or whatever it is that someone can just access quickly to change that state, to get them out of that that heightened level of fear, the anxiety, that yes. can just relax them very very quickly and take them out of it. I mean, and I know I know that people listening just to this conversation, they're going to feel that what you what what is possible, they're going to just feel it in the convers- this conversation. Yes. And you know, of all these tools, I think that uh, the breathing yes. is the one that gives you a stronger effect, uh, as quick, uh, it's the quickest effect you can get. Okay. It's yeah. from that breathing yeah. practice. I and I, yeah. I mentioned that uh, one of my readers uh, ran some self-experiments with different types of meditation and ha- how that helped her deal with PTSD symptoms. And she said that the alternating nostrils breathing was the most powerful that's good to know because that's exactly what i was thinking about so i'm really gr- glad you uh reaffirmed that it's good to know mm. all right uh, i think we're pretty much done uh, thank you very much giovanni yeah thank you for so, having me our, our pleasure so for those of you who are listening to us my name is nathan siegel i'm here with my colleague hamish baston we're the thought hackers with us today has been giovanni dinsman and who's been giving us instruction and information on different meditation techniques and how it can deal with trauma. So we thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to the broadcast, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Thought Hackers. And regardless of where you are on your journey, whether you would like to be a guest and share your story, or if you are still living with pain each day, Please get in touch and we will help you where we can. Simply send an email to hamish at thethoughthackers.com. 